really? Yes, Tara. I said, get your mind right. Because, you know, it's it's the Blazer's Edge podcast. And we've got plenty of things to talk about. Uh, I I don't know if I want to start off with the two awful losses. Or we're going to talk about the highs before that. You know, winning was six of seven, um, which was fun uh, and much less, I don't know, crappy. Uh, but yeah, I'm Dan Morang. As always, I am here with my studious co-host, Tara Bone Biggs, aka Team Mom. Um, yeah. Oh, we are starting. So yeah, we're, we're starting. <laughs> I'm sure, if we were actually starting. Yeah, no, I told you we're, we're we're gonna we're gonna try this like the Blazers. We're gonna just start it cold at nine o'clock in the morning. Um, except it's <laughs> three o'clock in the afternoon on a Sunday afternoon. Uh, we're getting ready, or we're recording now, um, as a Super Bowl place because <laughs> I don't care about this game. Um, it's kind of the same feeling that I had against Toronto. So, um, yeah, I think we're in the same same boat here. Tara, how are you doing? Um, I also am not into the Super Bowl right now, and I am excited to talk about the Blazers because, you know, a, a week ago, I think about a week ago, I texted you and I was like, it's kind of hard to think of good things to, or kind of hard to think of things to say when the Blazers are playing really well. And then you laughed at me. <laughs> I said, they're, <laughs> then, still, they're still this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's not like I didn't know things were coming up, but let's, let's recap. So over the last week, the Blazers are two and two. They looked great after their three days off, which I had been so worried about. So I was glad to see yeah, that that was during, not a concern. We talked about during the, that's the lead up in that what was going to happen out of that, um, whether or not that too, too much time off, they get rusty or um, whether or not the rest was, was needed. It's kind, of, yeah. it's kind of funny. Maybe the rest is what kind of helped propel CJ to his 50-point game, since we do need to touch on that since it's been uh, a podcast since we talked about that. Yes, that was a fun game to watch. It was also against a pretty depleted Clippers. God, they didn't... Bulls, you <laughs> I, 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 w- I thought Doc maybe was going to have to suit up that night because they were so short on players. Uh, but the important thing is that the Blazers did what they were supposed to do. Like, at, you know, we keep saying they need to win the ones they should, and that was one that they should, and they went out and won it. They didn't get in their own heads, and they didn't look past the Clippers in that one. So that was nice to see them come out and take care of business and for CJ to have such a great night. Now, what do you think? was uh keyed was it just like it just happened that cj had the hot hand and everybody was just feeding him and that's how it was going to be remember i I think you're blurring our wins together we had cj was with chicago the clippers game was when they almost blew it yeah 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 Uh, trust me i know that after watching this week has been kind of like the um synopsis of the blazers season like hey hey, (laughs) awesome game somebody went off it was great everything was fun let's let's throw down alley-oop dunks and do all kinds of stupid stuff all game and then there's hey we have a 20 point lead let's go ahead and blow this and then somehow miraculously save it against a team we should have no business losing to and then there was hey this should be a good matchup with the raptors and get absolutely hammered and then hey the celtics are shorthanded this is a game the blazers should win let's go up 16 and just choke this one away so, yeah, I think you saw pretty I would much like the full to, spectrum of the team right there. I would like to suggest that we know that we ban the use of the word should because <laughs> there is nothing <laughs> about <laughs> I would I, it's not just the Trailblazers. It's pretty much any oh. game in the NBA. Anything yeah. can happen to just okay. about any team at just about any times, except for the team from the Bay Area. Yeah, I was going to say, there's, I mean, like, Right now, certain- Boston. Boston is, I think, almost on that level. Houston's almost on that level. And yes, they can they can drop eggs, but 
the the but likelihood were, of today, egg dropping. You were saying that you know you were very comfortable with the lead that the Trailblazers had over Boston today. You were very comfortable with no, that. No, no, no. We're I talking think you were about out that of your exchange. mind to ever think that a sixteen point lead means anything. No, no, no. Okay, we're talking so, about that exchange. I, no, you're not going to drop that one on me and leave. <laughs> that was my producer, Chris Burkhart, who basically said, "Oh, to, to quote him exactly, yeah, the Blazers are winning. As I always say, a win is a win. But don't kid yourself here. This is the Celtics JV squad. Now you." took that as i think he said that this is a secure and comfortable win but when i read that and yes he said a win is a win but when you're looking at it it was like the way that they were playing and and the fact that even though it was a 16 point game it didn't feel like a 16 point lead when i looked at that i the 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 most important thing to me there was not the win is a win it was the celtics jv squad like you, you can't screw around with that and and hope to pull out a win, and you know that's kind of what you know didn't happen. He will, but the whole thing about the Celtics is that they're a system, and like whoever you plug in there, I mean, they still had some of their. I mean, they're a system with a million six saying. foot seven guys. Their 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 system <laughs> is populated with nothing but two way wings. Like if the Blazers could just have one, like can we borrow one? We'll take the last one. I'll take Gershon. Yabu Sele is a human tank. I mean, he yeah, he, 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 he got in there with Collins, and I'm like Zach, that that's not the one, dude. He outweighs <laughs> yeah. Collins by like 65 pounds, and it's not fat. That dude is baby Shaq, but he's just jacked. I mean, yeah, he, he, he has muscles on top of muscles. Yeah, he is a massive human being, and he's like the end of their bench. Like two way dudes. He's six eight, like two ninety. Like how does that happen? You you got Ojale, you've got Jalen, you've got Tatum. Hayward's injured, but he's like you wouldn't even see these other guys. Abdul Nader, uh, you've got freaking. I mean, it's just they they have all of them. Why can't we have one? Like just just one. Thies. I mean, good God. I mean, Kadeem Allen. I don't even know. Played. I don't know what to tell you, Dan. If that, you know, if all you can concentrate on is on the, on the things that you want and all the things that you don't have, I don't know where we're going to go with this today. So I, I think that we should go back and we should talk about mm. what the, the good things were that we saw about the wins, and Boo. then we can go into the last two games. Fine. Because the the month of January has been pretty good for this team. The Trailblazers have had success in January. Well, this, this ain't your Trailblazers January now, is it? It's February. <laughs> no, I'm saying they had. I know they had a great February. And shout out to Coach Thoughts for winning. You mean coaching. January? What did I say? February? Yeah, whatever. I'm a rock star, in, <laughs> so we'll go with it. But again, shout out to Coach Thoughts, Coach of the Month, uh, undefeated at home, uh, which was nice to see. Um, you know, get back to the winning ways at home um, because mm-hmm. I don't care how bad this team is. If you can't win at Moda, man. Uh, it just feels dirty to me to not be able to win at home. Like my entire adult life has been uh, nothing, but it, no matter how good or bad the Blazers are, they win at home. So to, to see that stretch where they had the statement jerseys and everything going awful and no, nah, no thanks. What did you think about the new city jerseys? Um, I like them a lot. Uh, I like them almost much as I hate the statement jerseys. Like I just, I do not like the statement jerseys if in any way. They're shape, the red ones, form. right? Yeah. So the city jerseys, the, my only complaint, and this was kind of what I was leaning towards when, they, when I kind of first saw them, was that they didn't lean in hard enough. Like, if, you, mm-hmm. if you're going to go plaid on a professional sports jersey, lean in. Like, mm-hmm. go, go hard plaid. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, I think you know, even or even just a nice subtle little red line in there. Yeah, give me something just, like so break you can it up. see it more easily because it's hard to see. Yeah, and I think that was um, that was the biggest complaint we talked about on Blazers Outsiders the night after they debuted, and everybody that I saw um, that commented on that was that was their complaint too. So I think for the, for the Blazers, they hit like a nine and a half out of ten on those. I mean, what, what yeah. was your well, take? Maybe I mean, in the future they'll. Was there anything about that other than that that you didn't like? No, I, I think they're good. And I, I, I like, I really started to like the fit of all the new jerseys as well this year. The cut year. on them? Um, uh, pardon me? The cut on the jerseys, like how, the, how they kind of yeah. hang? Yeah. Yeah, I like the fit. And I have to admit, as hard as it is for me to admit, I'm starting to like the statement jerseys. I don't know if it's just because I'm getting used to them. Um, Do you collect but- ugly puppies? Do I, I don't know. I just, they don't bug some, me as, as much as they like did. Some people like them. So, you know, I it's, think, it's fine. I think part of it is because they actually do look a lot better on the players than they did when I, they were just hanging. I just refuse to acknowledge them because the red isn't the right red. Well, maybe it's the new red, Dan, and you're just going to have to adopt. I am going adapt. to hipster the living hell out of these jerseys. I will not be the new red Blazers. Nope. Then again, that, again, okay. okay. If you want another criticism on the city jerseys, I love the piping on the city jerseys, the plaid jerseys, like the the piping uh-huh. down the sides. I think yeah, it, I think the, the I think the design is wonderful, and I love the way that Rip City is displayed. But again, the wrong color red. I think the two things that they could have done was, like you said, add the contrast and give it the actual Rip City Portland Trailblazers red treatment. If you change those two things to those, I those they could compete for my favorite jersey of all time. Well, you know, the, which is the the Blazers uh, throwback red with the uh, vertical Blazers down the chest, the old throwbacks. Mm-hmm. Those those yeah. are by far my favorite jerseys. So, like the Bill Walton ones. Yep, love the that, ones that they were. Love that yeah. era jersey. It's it, to me, it, it outside of the Oakland Raiders uh, jer- uh, original kit. That's it's the, the the cleanest original design in professional sports. Well, I think you may have to get on board that the Blazers red is a different red than the red that you grew up with. I will not. <laughs> Big surprise. Well, <laughs> let's let's talk about the what we've learned from the last two games. My biggest question about the game against Toronto is why does Toronto have the Blazers number? Like oh. what is it about the team that makes Damian play so well and everyone else look like they're sleepwalking? Okay, so what I, what is it about the teams? Yeah, so here's a quick little story. I was telling my boss at NBC, because he's a Boston guy. I was like, hey, you know, if you want to catch a game, like a, 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 what should be a competitive game, watch the... I'm going to start fining you every time you drop a reference to your TV gig. I, You're going to owe me five hey, bucks. Hey, you know what? I, it, this, is, this is relative. So he's a Boston guy, and we were talking basketball, and I said, hey, um, if you want to catch a good game, watch the Blazers-Raptors game. I'm like, it's, it's for the last few years, no matter what happens, there's usually really good breakout performances from Dame. The The competition between the two teams is really good, and it comes down to the wire. Now, when I Did went back... Did you forget and, about the six-point quarter earlier this season? Well, I, that's what I said. I said there was the one stinker this <laughs> year that we had, but if you go back, there was, what, two overtime games, uh, Dame's 50-point game. There's been, I think, like like five of the seven... Five of the last seven have been decided by, like, six or less... And it's, and it hasn't been the kind of like oh they got it down to six. It's been the like, like who has the ball last, who doesn't screw up. Mm-hmm. But what I didn't realize was 
The Blazers haven't beaten the Raptors since 2015. The, the, the Blazers have come up short on every single one of these games. I was like, I could have swore they won two in there. Because I knew they dropped the one where Dame had 50 because they wasted that effort because that, that was just uh-huh. insane. Um, but I, And I knew they, they, they had the stinker. Won, they haven't beat Toronto since 2015? Yeah. <laughs> they've Dang. Lost, they've lost seven well, straight. I was like, so, ugh. So since those days, both teams have had their same backcourts, right? And that's yeah, always and the, the marquee matchup. So what's going on? I, I don't know because Kyle Lowry is a great defender. Um, here's the here's the thing. Damian Lillard's highest scoring average versus any team is the Toronto Raptors. He In the Toronto Raptors history, he has scored the fourth most points per game against them. I believe it's fourth most. I got I got I got to pull the stat back up now because now I'm, I'm going to lose my mind. Um, but deep I'm, breath, Dan. Deep breath. Yeah. Um, Iverson is number one uh, all time, and he played against the Raptors something like forty eight or fifty times. And that's um, the average of scoring against the team, or is it total? That's that's his average. Was was okay. twenty eight or twenty. Iverson averaged the most against Toronto in yep. all time. Yep. Um, okay. See, I'm on. I can thank you. Shout out to uh, StatMuse for having this. Points per game versus Toronto Raptors. Oh, there we go. So this season, in his two games, he's averaged 34 points a game, which is pretty good. That That's going to raise his average up ever so slightly. He's shooting 56% from the field, 90% <laughs> from the free throw line, and 40% from three. Averaging 34, 6, and 3. So, uh-huh. needless to say, Damian Lillard goes absolutely ham against one of the best individual and team defenders in the league in Kyle Lowry, who has helped defense from DeMar DeRozan and a host right. of other guys. So, so what's going on? I have no clue because Dame – well, actually, I have a little bit of a clue. Dame kills guys who use a lot of strength. Where Dame struggles are the little quick guys that kind of are the, are the water June bugs that get back and forth. The Chris Pauls, the Jeff Teagues. Um, I mean, if you look at the guys who have constantly hounded him, uh, Alfred Payton, Oladipo, when he would pick him up when he was with Orlando, we saw a lot of that. Um, so the smaller, we quicker, said- twitchier guys are the ones that bother him. But the big, strong guys that like the Muslim, i.e. Kyle Lowry, that's where Dame likes to go ham. But we just said that Dame's performance is not the reason the Blazers are losing. What no. is going on? I, I, I just had to touch on that. So okay. the counter to this is everyone else sucks. <laughs> I, I don't know if they not le- to put too fine a point on it. <laughs> I don't know. If that's they some le- subtle analysis, Dan. <laughs> I don't know if they leave their games at, the, at, at customs or what, but like nobody else shows up in these games. I, I really don't understand it. Um, for the CJ Demar matchup, again, if you want to talk about individual matchups and what goes on consistently in their games, the one thing that I've found that ever bothers CJ, um, like anybody his size, is length. Demar does have more length at the two position than a lot of guys. Um, not only that, Demar is going to make you work on the other end. The only other guy I think who's going to make you work more consistently on all game long is is Harden. Mm-hmm. So CJ's got to deal with that all game, and I think that mm-hmm. that causes a drop off. And I think those two typically kind of cancel each other out. But Demar decided he wanted to—I I don't know—shoot the best 
from three he'd ever shot and take and make the most he'd ever made. Um, so when mm-hmm. that when that happens, coupling with everybody else sucking, um, yeah, there's just not a lot you can do. I just I don't I don't understand why it's that team, and I would like to understand what the what the matchup. And you know, it, I'm wondering if it just is pure coincidence that they always hit each other at just the wrong time. I mean, I'm getting to the point where otherwise, well, they were the ones on the back. How could you explain it? I mean, they were the ones on the back to back. So we're like, okay, the the Toronto game, I I kind of excuse because I I said this on Twitter. Blazers shot basically 50, 40, 80. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. They controlled two turnovers for the most part, um, and they were still down twenty-two at the half. <laughs> like under normal circumstances, you do those things, you have a ten or twelve-point lead. Mm-hmm. But I, I mean, I legitimately, that may have been Toronto's best offensive game of the season. I mean, mm-hmm. from from three, they were nutty. They were nineteen of forty. They were a franchise record nineteen made threes. DeMar DeRozan hit the right. most threes he'd ever hit. Jonas Valanciunas, right. for the first time in his career, hit multiple threes in a game. I mean, that kind of stuff happens, and that starts piling up. You're, you're in for a rough time. But why does that happen against Toronto when the Blazers all, all year have been effective at reducing the number of threes? You, I mean... But where are they coming from? You've got to consider the scouting report. And this is why I think this game okay. was an isolated incident as opposed to what had been the precedent in how Toronto had beat Portland previously, this was a three parade, but this is not a team, or I should say this, these are not players typically who won eight or one take threes two make threes. So Mm -hmm. DeMar DeRozan does not take and make threes. I mean, he's been better about it this year than he has any other point in his career, but he just went nuts. Jonas Valanciunas does not take and make threes. Now, he had it going inside and out, and him and, and Nurkic battled each other for long portions. But what does Nurkic not do on defense? He doesn't go out the three-point line. Mm-hmm. So if, mm-hmm. if, if, if a traditional big like a Mark Gasol or a Jonas Valanciunas decides that they're going to hang out there and pull mm-hmm. Nurkic yeah, out he's and, ineffective that and hit the three, that's, that's, yeah. ugh, that's a rough spot for Portland to be in, especially with a guy like DeMar DeRozan who – he, his living is predicated on getting past that first level of defense, getting to the mid-range, or getting to the rim mm-hmm. and drawing free throws. If Nurkic isn't there to, to, to push that away, it, like your defense just falls apart. Well, I think I think Toronto's a really interesting team this year. You know, have the coverage on them has been that, you know, Masai Najiri said there was going to be a cultural reset and instead of revamping the entire roster, he made a couple changes, recommitted to the guys that were the main guys and mm-hmm. said we're going to change everything about how we do our work around here, which I think was really interesting to watch and one of the things that they've changed is they've been moving the ball around a lot and they have increased the number of threes used this year. I mean, yep. I read all those articles, didn't the Trailblazers read all those articles? <laughs> but you, you can read the that scouting the, report. Yeah, you can read that, but you're not expecting it from DeMar and Jonas. And I think those are the two leading scores of the game. So you have 35 right. well, from DeMar I mean, and 18 from Jonas. And when those, like, when those two guys are breaking trends that heavily, mm-hmm. it's really, really <laughs> difficult. Because you, you, especially guys like CJ and Dame, um, who know scouting reports, like CJ knows, he's played DeMar plenty of times. He knows where DeMar wants to get to. He knows what he wants to take away. So he's favoring, mentally, he's favoring that right-hand drive. 
Because he knows he, a lot like CJ, he wants to get to that elbow. He wants to take that shot right there. He's not, in CJ's mind, he's not thinking DeMar's going to cross over, step back, and go to the three here or catch and shoot. He's going to catch, pump fake, and drive. So he's leaning back, waiting for that drive. And then when all of a sudden DeMar raises up and takes it, it's one of those, oh, hmm. crap. And then he hits it. That's, that's, that's where you're just like, oh, I can't. And when, when you stop trusting your instincts, that's when you're a half step behind. When you're a half step behind one of these guys, it's the same thing we see with CJ. If you're a half step behind him when he's on one, good luck. Uh-huh. Well, the, the Raptors ended up putting 130 up Oof. against the Blazers. Season high for our opponent. Yeah, let's then fast forward to this morning's game against the Celtics, where the Celtics put they won by one point, put up 97 points, which is something that we had become a little bit more accustomed to, mm-hmm. at least in the first part of the season. So what did we see in the Celtics game um, that was different from the Toronto game or that could explain, you know, what happened? Uh, first of all, I think the the defense was better. And in the Toronto game, I didn't think the defense was necessarily that bad. I just felt like, much like the Chicago game for Portland, everything. they were just hit. Like when when you start doing that enough, like the the, the, the fabric in your mind just kind of melts, and like <laughs> like you just you try, you legitimately try, but you're just like, I can't I can't make this happen. I can't make this work. This is like no matter what I do, and it just becomes disheartening. Um, I think the same approach was taken tonight with Boston and Boston just, th- their resolve came from again, canning a metric crap ton of threes. Like uh-huh. th- that's it. What it wasn't like Portland wasn't contesting. Jason Tatum hit two threes where he had absolutely no business hitting them. And he's been up until really the past month, he was leading the league in three-point percentage at like 48%. So the kid can shoot, but he hits some tonight again where you're just like, that is not a shot a rookie should hit. That's that's not a thing. So how do you kind of get around that? Um, you hope the other guys struggle. And Terry Rozier struggled, but Jalen Brown didn't. <laughs> Al Horford mm-hmm. didn't. Uh, I mean, the Celtics ended up hitting 15 threes. They shot 42% for three. Like... Even if you defend well and they hit, Terry Stott said it um, the other night, the, the greatest equalizer um, in the NBA right now is a three-point shot. If you can hit shots from that distance, that's, you know, the Blazers t- had scored more points in the paint. They hit more free throws against the Raptors. They still got absolutely slacked because of how many threes they gave up. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing tonight. What was the uh, the the rebounding like i mean because they were hitting so when the other team is hitting so much it's uh you know you don't get those rebounds because the ball is going in (laughs) but how what was the matchup on that because as i believe going in the the boston was a fantastic rebounding team do i have that right yeah they're 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 a team rebounding team because horford's not gobbling anything up but again when you have a pile of six foot seven to six foot nine guys Mm -hmm. tatum jalen uh, Baines, Abdelnader, uh, Semi, Thies, Yabusele, all those guys, they all get after it. I mean, if you're looking at the box score, 10, 8, 8, 6, 6, 6, 5, those are your rebounding yeah. numbers. And Terry Rozier. 46 to 51 yeah. um, in favor of, the, of Boston. Boston won out on the boards, and Rozier's maybe the best, if not the second best, rebounding guard in the league right now, if you look at like his per 36 numbers. I think only Westbrook is ahead of him. 
So, I mean, yeah, so I mean, he's he's getting every rebound. Yeah, and he gets by pushing everybody out of the yeah, way. Yeah, he, he gets all the uncontested teammates. Yeah, he gets all the uncontested <laughs> rebounds because they know he's triple double hunting. Um, so well, so I thought it, it's for this game. I thought this game, the Blazers didn't actually, I didn't think they played terrible against Boston. I think they just couldn't score. And I I think to me, this game really stood out and like helped me see or showed me that there's just uh, like Blazers can play defense and they can play offense. And sometimes they can play them both really well, but it's like after a team gets a certain amount of length on them, they can't do both. They, uh, you know? they they can play offense and defense at the same time, but then they need like a three game smoke break. Like like all right, like all right, we it's like all right, whew, we really went for it there. We played them both for one game. Time for time for a cigarette, and they just disappear, and then they come. You know, they don't play offense or defense for a game, and then you know. I like, don't think you're giving them enough credit. I think you're being too hard uh, on them. I think. It, I, I don't know personally, and I know this is going to sound wild. I in today's NBA. I think I'm I would rather have the team that plays with the top seven or eight offense than the top seven or eight defense. We need to write that down and like put that in stone. As, as weird as, at as some we, point as weird as that they're is they're gonna go back to, yeah. Yeah. I mean it Well, I, I, mean, should, I should say that the things with that we this saw at theme. the beginning of this we saw this at the beginning of the season. We saw the Blazers playing good defense at the beginning of the season. Mm-hmm. And when they started playing good, good offense again, everybody was like, oh, thank goodness. Offense it's much, is back. It's much more enjoyable <laughs> it's to much watch. It's prettier and fun to watch. Yeah, that, mm-hmm. and that's the thing, is especially with this team, because their offense is limited when they, when they get down like into the nitty-gritty. It's Dame and CJ. Like, those are the mm-hmm. guys that you're counting on night in, night out. And on when you play teams like Boston, or really a lot of teams around the league nowadays, because Portland's they're mired in this weird spot, and this is why we can, this is kind of the theme of the excuse me the theme of the podcast here. They don't have a ton of those effective six foot six, six foot seven, six foot eight guys on their roster. Now, granted, mm-hmm. I say this as Harkless had his second best game of the season. Uh, I'd say the Lakers game was his best one, but I'm sitting here watching like you know the the Twitter feed. Harkless needs to play more. Stotts is is a, is crazy for do it for not playing him. Blah 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 blah. And I'm like, but guys, we we went through this once already. He started 20 games and he couldn't hit a shot to save his life. Uh-huh. Like, like where like where, where were you campaigning for him then? Well, so it, it, it was. I think a lot of it was it was just good to see Mo Harkless out there doing stuff. I mean, because when he comes out there, you know, he get his minutes are so hit and miss that we know that if he steps on the court, he has to produce immediately so that he can stay out on the court. And sometimes he doesn't. And then he just goes back to the bench. So I think part of it was that people were just really glad to see um, Mo taking advantage of the minutes that he was getting and producing in them. Yeah. Harkless, good Harkless is a good player who is worth more than his contract, but we so rarely see good Harkless that in the long run, it just doesn't work out. I mean, I, I don't expect him to hit five of five from three. Go go mm-hmm. two of five from three on average. Mm-hmm. You give me two of five from three and you take seven or eight shots a night. Like, give, give yeah, me those. I think that's it. I think it's the taking of the shots. Yeah, give me I, eight. I, I'm okay with him getting eight shots because if he's taking five threes and then getting uh, one fast break opportunity and two cuts to the rim, that, that's, mm-hmm. that's a good distribution for me. That's cool. 
Like I'm, mm-hmm. give me a, eleven points, five rebounds, and a steal while playing effective like defense within the team scheme. Don't give me the aloof, I don't care, I'm going to go over here and, and be a hipster, Moise Harkless in the corner. Because that dude is just miserable. I, I, I hate seeing him even on the floor. Right. It, it Yeah, and that's what I mean, why people were happy to see him out there producing. But uh, do you remember, like, during the preseason and, you know, when the the they were signing the two-way guys and it seemed like every time they added somebody new to the roster, it was a six-foot-five shooting guard? <laughs> <laughs> and we were like, oh, my gosh, we have so many six-foot-five shooting guards. Yeah. I, I, I'm really on this length thing right now. I, I'm starting to come, come over to your side about the just when needing taller players. You can see... Length matters. What? I said when all else is equal, length yeah. matters. Um, this is this, right. this is a discussion we were having on Twitter. We're in, talking about the upcoming NBA draft. People are like, um, I don't understand how you could take um, DeAndre Ayton. I'm like, you you got to you guys got to wrap your head around this because DeAndre Ayton is a seven footer, yes, but he's built like David Robinson and moves like a gazelle. Like you cannot replicate that in the NBA right now. There are not guys built like that. It's basically like taking Joel Embiid and making him incredibly nimble and graceful. I mean, for anybody mm-hmm. who hasn't seen Aiton, he's a physical freak unlike anything has been around in college in 25, 30 years. And is he I, hardy? Is he what? Is he hardy? I mean, is he like, is he fragile or is he no, hardy? No, he's, he's, he's thick as a brick. I mean, uh-huh. he, he's thick, He hasn't tough, been injured, built. I mean, no. because he had an injury history? No, none of that at all. Mm. I mean, and he. Well, okay. This is not an eighteen-year-old. Like eighteen-year-old should not look like this. So again, when I, when I go to the argument of uh, should I take a, a Doncic or a Marvin Bagley, like yeah, those guys are great and all. But in the long run, if if you're asking me how to beat a team like the Warriors, are you going to try to outshoot them when they have two of the greatest shooters of all time, or are you going to try and outbig them? Me, I'm going to try and outbig them because I'm my offense is going to be fine, Steph Curry. And I'm gonna have mm-hmm. my my six foot eight, six foot nine, and seven foot dudes find Steph Curry and whoop him on every possession, because that's how you win. That's how that's okay. how the Cavaliers won a title. Okay, deep breath, deep breath, Dan. You're getting super excited about this, and I'm glad that you're passionate about this. But I have <sighs> a couple of Fine. other players I want to ask you about, and then I want to go to something else that's getting get you excited, which is trade talk. Woo-hoo. So bear with me. Um, my one question I had about the, uh, the Boston game, and it does kind of feed into the next topic. The trade talk is, um, I want to know how you felt about the way the Blazers adjusted without Shabazz, uh, because there has been a, a lot of talk about, you know, during the with trade effect. season or with free agency or with free agency coming up, you know, how the Blazers, you know, might not have Shabazz uh, in the future. So do the how do you how did you feel about how the Blazers adjusted to that for this one game? How would you think they would adjust to do it in the future? Because I mean, before Shabazz really started playing the last, I don't know, twenty or twenty games or so, the Blazers always relied on that whole keep Dame or CJ on the floor, one of them at all times, and they wouldn't use the traditional backup uh point guard. Mm-hmm. Shabazz has been able to do it. Um, but tonight they didn't have them. Do you, did you notice anything? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm let's, let's go ahead and preface it this way. I'm going to miss Shabazz. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to miss him because he's going to get paid. I, I mm-hmm. just, unless Portland does something absolutely wild, the deadline that frees up money. Um, and the Blazers see him as an incredibly valuable piece going forward that they can afford. 
I, I just don't see Shabazz with Portland past this it year. It feels like it feels like one of those things where it's a it's uh, Patty Mills. Shabazz all over is again. a really well, he's a really nice to have. You know, it's like so yeah. great to have him. But when you prioritize all of the other things on their roster, he's just you know, like we were just talking about. Do you he's want another small. six foot dude or another other six guys. seven dude? Yeah, exactly. And it's um, you know, and it's 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 made extra difficult by the fact that Damian just falls hard for every one of his teammates. Every one of his teammates, he just loves. And he wants them to get he paid. He loves them each one of them so much. Yep. Exactly. And so you can you can see that it hurts him when they move on. But you also know that he's you know. He's super happy for him too. Um, but yeah, I don't know. The other uh, personnel uh, question I had is that I believe we heard that Caleb Swanigan will be joining the team again. Tomorrow. He's supposed to meet him in, uh, meet him in Detroit. Yeah. So what do you expect uh, from that move? Okay. So um, Mike Richmond called it out um, when Wade Baldwin was called up that, Hey, this don't make a big deal out of this. Um, when Wade Baldwin was called up because basically it amounts to him fulfilling his, or fulfilling his, 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 uh, 45 day two way contract limitation. And again, shout out to Mike Richmond, who's no longer with the Oregonian. Um, no kidding. That's that, man. That, that one sucked because Mike's that's one of the real loss. ones. Yeah. So right. if, for any of you guys out there, um, stay, stay tuned to Mike. Cause I'm sure he'll, he'll be continuing to do good things. Um, but so he said not to make a big deal. This was the Wade, Wade Baldwin. Baldwin coming back. And that to me, because, that's is the, that because he played his, well, no, he gets to play 45 games in the NBA, 45 right? days in the NBA. Correct. So there's, there's, then this is the confusion there was a tweet that was put out that said that he had 45 games in the G league. If you had 45 games or 45 days in the G league, they'd be running out of players left, right and center. You can play as many le- days in leagues or days and games as you want to in the G league. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah, do you have a limit of forty-five in in the uh, in the NBA? Yeah. So anyway, so what do you think it means about uh, for for Swanigan coming up? And that's the thing, the Wade Baldwin one means no nothing? big deal. You, no, the Wade Baldwin one okay. was hey, I can fill this role, and the Blazers have said, but as far as the G League goes, they are totally cool and good, and they'd rather have guys that are part of the organization, kind of in the fold, and be around okay. the team. So that makes sense. Cool, great, Grant, Caleb Swanigan getting called up. When right now there's zero chance of him being played because of the way that the the roster is, makes me believe that ding, 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 ding. Yes, they're going to play him because they're going to be short of big man body. Mm -hmm. To me, that's that's the only reason you call him back right now. That or his agents like, hey, he's balling out in the G League. He's doing things down here. Um, I think you need to give him another shot in the league. Those are the only two things I see. I'm so glad that he had that time in the G League. I mean, we haven't seen really what it's going to produce for him in the NBA. But like I've said before, he just strikes me as a guy who needs to play. And the fact that he's just been ball, he has been balling out in the G League. I'm trying to find what his uh, stats are. Um, Last I checked, he was like 18 and 13 for him. Like he's he's been an absolute monster. Basically what he did at, at Purdue against bigger and better competition. Right. And that's I think that's exactly what what he needed for his development. And um, so I, I hope, I mean, whatever, well, actually let's go ahead and lead into the trade talk then. So it sounds like you think that the reason Caleb Swanigan's coming back that is because they're going to need his body. What role do you see him playing? And then we'll transition into the trade talk. But like, how do you think he'll be utilized on the floor? He's going to be the last big off the bench. 
That, that's that's what okay. I see. Um, and but I mean, but, but do when you I think say that, center I don't, I, or power forward or either, I, I think they'll have him more as as the center, but they'll use him kind of like a stretch. Um, I think offensively, they're going to try and position him further away from the from the basket. I think they're going to try to use him like like they tried to u- okay. tried to use Myers. Um, okay. When I when I say the last big off Having the bench, him stretch a little bit. Well, again, when I say the last big off the bench, though. I'm not saying like the last dude off the bench. I'm talking about like the last dude off the bench in the rotation. The rotation. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah, I sure. think I think Ed and Noah are both gonna be gone. So okay. I, I think oh, we, we I think we could You're breaking see... a lot of hearts with I know, that there, Dan. I, I know. I mean I know you're already a heartbreaker, but saying that Ed is gonna be gone, that's a real heartbreaker. Um and, and here's here's the, 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 the big lean news at least if you if you if you believe me. Um, I, I think the Blazers are pretty much all in on DeAndre Jordan. I, I would well, it say sounds like they're trying it anyway. Yeah, I, I would say that they, there's a good chance of that trade going down on deadline day. From everything that I've heard, from everything that I, I've, I've I've read, and people that I've talked to, the, the, that's what sounds like could happen. Um, I think it's crazy that we're at this point. Um. Right now, because basically, if, if that deal goes down, there, there's almost no way Yusuf Nurkic isn't attached. And to, to be at that point six months from, you know, Nurkic fever, I guess we're a full year now almost from the beginning of Nurkic fever. Um, but like six months removed from the peak ride of it um, mm-hmm. is wild. Right. Well, so I, a couple observations, and then I want to get a little bit deeper and ask you some more specific questions about this DeAndre to Portland rumor um, and how it all might work out. But one thing I noticed over in the last two games, and I, maybe this is like completely, you know, laughable, but I'm wondering how much players get stressed out about trade deadline time. Um, and if there's actual talk, I wonder how much that affects their playing time. Have you ever heard people talk about this? Do you know yeah. um, if anyone's made those connections before? So um, for everybody else who wants to kind of see like a public view of this, um, Evan Turner did a deal for NBC Sports. I, they put out, I think like a week ago, I think it was like a, like a uh, tagged uh, Instagram or sponsored post or something oh, like that. right. But he okay. talked about exactly this. Um, okay about how the trade from Philly to Boston went down and how he had practice that day. It was deadline day and how he's just, he said, you know, I just want to sleep in. I don't want to go to practice. Cause if you trade me after I gave you a full practice, I'm going to be pissed. <laughs> so he went and basically he practiced and then he stayed at the arena or stayed at the facility. And like, it was like last minute deadline deal. And he got a phone call after not really hearing anything that he got traded and he went into like the, all the personal side of it. And mm-hmm. he's, he, he's, he gave a shout out to Sam Hinkie for saying, Hey, he was just, Sam was just trying to treat me right uh, before he got out kind of a deal and was trying to take care of me. Um, and then uh-huh. I went to, I went to Indiana and they blame me for everything. You know, if you haven't <laughs> seen it, go check it out. Cause it's, it's a really cool and, and, and insightful clip of like, I think a lot of people, I get caught up in this too. When you talk about trades, these are people's livelihoods. They've got Mm -hmm. wives. They've got kids. They have to uproot everything. It's like, oh, they make millions of dollars. Guess what, people? It still sucks to leave everything that you've known for the last few years and change everything. Because a lot of these guys, especially if they have families, they're moving to the new city by themselves. Mm -hmm. And that's that's not a fun thing to do. 
I remember, I think it was Jason Quick wrote a uh, really interesting in-depth article about Brian Roberts. I think it was Jason Quick. I'm not quite sure. But when Brian Roberts was traded to Portland at mm-hmm. the trade deadline a couple of years ago, it was a really, uh, it was a really in-depth about, you know, I think he got like traded twice in a day or yeah, something. Yeah, he did. And so he went from one team to another and he had kids and he had to figure out what to do with the family. But what I'm kind of what I'm getting at though is just the stress of the deadline approaching any of these Do you guys think that that gets into their heads? Yes. Any of these guys save like the legit, no doubt superstars that won't be traded. Right. Damian without their... and CJ are probably not worried. Yeah. But a lo- Ed, you saw in his, in his um, article from quick uh, a week ago, he's mm-hmm. like, yeah, I'm preparing mm-hmm. for it. I know. It's on their mind. They know he's got, yeah. he's got baby twins. That's gotta be mm-hmm. on his mind. So in all mm-hmm. these guys, I, <laughs> I, I kind of joked about it, but uh, Dane Carbaugh basically had the same feeling too. Um, Yusuf Nurkic played like the the first half of this game against the Celtics. Like he did not want to be a Clipper. Mm-hmm. Like I, there's no way on this earth that Yusuf Nurkic has not seen those rumors. Mm-hmm. There's just there's oh, no the DeAndre shit. Okay, yeah, yeah. And, he, and like he he can he's a smart young man. He can put two and two together. That there's not enough big men on this roster and and money available mm-hmm. in order for him and DeAndre Jordan to both play. Otherwise, if there were, we'd be looking at DeAndre and Yusuf like we're looking at Jokic and Yusuf. Mm-hmm. And that worked well, out splendid. Let, <laughs> let, let's, let's turn to the rumors about DeAndre to Portland. And one, one thing that I've learned over the last couple of years, mostly from you know reading Blazer's Edge and talking to people on Twitter, is that you know as locked down as Portland is, if something does get out, it's a highly likely scenario there, because yeah. they are very, very locked down. If there's so smoke, there's, there's actually like Mark Stein has actually, mm-hmm. you know, suggested that this is a, a good, it was Stein and Windhorst. Is yep, that Stein, Windhorst and things? somebody yeah. else. I can't remember what the other one was. They've but the, all are talking about like, this is a possibility. Yeah. These are, these are real guys. These, these are not, um, the, um, the fake you know, aggregator weird somebody, sites right, that yeah. somebody just, putting it on the trade machine and, and tweeting it. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, so my question is how do the, so logistically, so Deandre, uh, is in the end, is he going to be a total free agent at the end of he, this year? He has or is he restricted? No, he has an opt-in clause. Okay. So how does all that, so tell me how all his contract would work. Okay. So what, he's, how, you know, he's hypothetically, get, how would this work? He's got an opt-in. Uh, you know, let me pull up the exact, I think it's 22 million. Um, I, is his opt-in around uh, 20. I'm double checking it right now. So I, I get kind of okay. close because that helps kind of put everything into perspective. Uh, right, because the Blazers is, is, have about $3 yeah. million over the luxury tax line, right? Yes, yeah, so he's 22.6 right now. Um, his okay. opt-in is 24.1. So that that's what – and I've heard some so people that say that, that – he Is it he can opt in for 24.1? Correct. That, okay. that is a player option. That is not a team option. Um the thing is, so here, he could come to Portland and say, "I want to stay," and it's going to cost you twenty four point one million dollars. Yes, and here's the other thing. And then thing. Portland has three guys making upwards of twenty million. Correct. Uh, okay. And and here's here's the the shtick here. If they trade for him, whether or not he opts in or not, they will have his bird rights. 
can you explain a little bit more about how bird rights work? Uh, it's, yeah, it's really, really, really wonky. The, because I mean, he still been, has the option, that's what allows him to have the bird rights so that you use the bla- that would allow the Blazers to go over a certain amount when, when it came to re-signing him. That's the... That's the Bird kicker. Basically, say someone's been on a whole on this contract for a really long time, and so or, he, and or with a certain team, the, right? Or so you can go over the cap to keep him. Correct. And, and bird rights can travel with a player. Correct. So there's there's a lot of things that go on with bird rights, and they and they're actually they're they're very important when you start looking at this stuff. So you can't blanket say, oh, he if if he doesn't opt in, it's a waste for Portland. It's not necessarily a waste. Here's the kicker with DeAndre. Uh, there's not actually a trade kicker, so let me go ahead and preface that because kicker's another <laughs> word. Um, here's the thing. Yeah, here's the thing. <laughs> there, there's, there's a couple different ways that this can go. The opt-in clause that scares a lot of people, but if you're DeAndre Jordan, this is what you have to weigh. The immediacy of the $24 million or the uh, opportunity for your last long-term contract because he's going to be he, – he's either 28 or just turned 29 – and um, he's going to be 29 in his next contract. Um, I'm trying to pull up his birthday. It just seems to like check a it. really nice situation for him because everyone's talking about how there's yes. so many centers on the market right now. Um, so if this he is could an be opportunity. like 24 million, I'll take it. That's the thing. It's like stay. You know what? It's it's worth it for me to get this. But he'd be playing with fire because as a big man who's very athletic, and he's a guy who who hasn't missed games. If he does hit that that wall, that that 30 mm-hmm. year old wall which I don't necessarily think he's going to be that guy. I, I think he's, well, yes, he's athletic, and yes, he relies on it, and yes, he plays above the rim. I don't see him as a guy who, because he hasn't in his career, is notoriously injury-ridden or, or injury-bug. Mm-hmm. He's not Blake. Mm-hmm. He's not he's not Blake yeah. Griffin, so he, he doesn't rack those up. And I think there's something to be said for his durability, and I think that... That alone might not be enough to scare Portland off and wouldn't allow them to invest in him. Now, as far as moving for him, and we've already alluded to, Yusuf Nurkic is going to be the, the, the piece in here. Now, in order to make this work, because again, whether or not he's um, opts in or not, you still have to account for the $22.6 million incoming. Right. Yusuf Nurkic right. is four and a half million, I think. Yeah, that's like a pennies. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, let me go, we go ahead and pull up the, the ye old trade machine and uh, look at the at the math here real quick to, to well, essentially and I don't even think we need to get into a lot of details. We no, know that we, we, there's we a couple guys, bodies. you know, yeah. that are worth $10 million. But like who who is worth something to the Clippers based on what you've seen about how the Clippers are now rebuilding their team? And that's why I think the reason we're not hearing about anything else right now is that Portland and Los Angeles are working out a third team because Nurk- oh, Nurkic okay. makes sense for what the Clippers are trying to do. Young, mm-hmm. talented, they may get mm-hmm. him even on a discount because, again, we've talked about the, the centers that are available and Nurkic's inconsistency in youth. So they could get him mm-hmm. a little bit cheaper than normal. The other thing that I think is probably going to accommodate uh, that trade is a is Portland's first round pick. Now, okay, I am not in line with that. I do not want to give away a first round pick unless Evan Turner is attached to it. Okay. Now, I don't think anybody, even with a first round pick, is going to take Evan Turner. The only thing that I would suggest that go along with this then is Maurice Harkless. 
because Portland's not going to take on Myers Leonard too. They're not going to take Yusuf Nurkic and Myers Leonard. They're not going to take oh, you two mean Clippers. I'm sorry. Yeah, the the, the they aren't going to take Nurkic and Leonard because they just traded for Boban. Like they're not going to have right. like five centers. In they the don't roster. need another. Yeah, so they're they're not going to take another big guy. So the guy that I lost unless in they the feel like they could stretch. Do you think they could do that? Do you think they would consider that? Because he got he's got way too much left on his contract to stretch. <laughs> yeah, and, I mean, ball, don't be, I mean he's got thirty million. If you're you're all over three years, you, you'd be yeah. No, that's it, just too much. That's too much. Yeah. yeah. So maybe the over after two years though might not be so bad. Anyway, I'm you, sorry. No, no, it, it's 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 a valid question to ask because you you have to consider all the things right now with with how things are playing out. So for me, you know, I insert Harkless into this. And to sweeten the deal, mm-hmm. I think they send Napier out. Now, I, this is why I think a third team is going to get involved. If you look at the Clippers roster, their roster construction, point guard, Austin Rivers, basically a point guard, Lou Williams, mm-hmm. point guard, Teodosic, point guard, Patrick Beverly. I mean, they, uh, Joan mm-hmm. Evans is they on their roster. Point, <laughs> point guard. They have like five point guards on their roster. Yeah. <laughs> I think a third team. That five guard lineup like Steph Curry is going to do in the All-Star game. Yeah, exactly. So I think a third team gets involved and they get Napier and Harkless. Basically, the price for taking on Harkless is Napier and his his RFA rights because he's going to be a restricted free agent up for his first real contract. Um, And again, you may, on on the open market, in any other year, Shabazz could get like 12 to 14 million. I think in this market, he gets that close to MLE eight to ten million dollar range okay this is a really terrible thing to say and I can't believe I'm saying it and this I will blame you on blame on you but do you think it is likely that uh, a team that might take on Harkless and Shabazz are somebody like Orlando or Chicago those are the two exact teams those Not the, trying to win right now. <laughs> no. So the two exact teams that I'm looking at are Orlando and Chicago. And the reason I hesitate on Orlando is, <laughs> guess who had Harkless and Napier? Right, exactly. Orlando. Oh, that's right. They, uh, both of them had him. I forgot. So uh, if, it's, if it's those guys that are going out, I hesitate to say Orlando. Now, the yeah. difference here is that if Orlando totally was the third. Office, well, here's the thing. is if, if Orlando is the team, what I could see happening is – players that are currently Clippers going to Orlando. Mm. So, oh, so some of their guards going over to Orlando. Correct. So say a Patrick Beverly goes to Orlando and they make okay. room for Napier there. And that's, and that's why I think there's the, 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 the machinations that are, are happening right now are trying to figure out like where those guys end up going. But even if you mm-hmm. put Harkless Nurkic Napier in there, um, that's still that not close a, to the right amount of that's money. That's <laughs> still not enough. You have to you have to put more in the pile basically to make this happen. Um, so it's key that it is Turner and not Harkless because if no, it was Turner, it, it, it can it can, it, it it can be those guys. Um, but the problem is, is you need to make another deal first. And, and here's my conspiracy theory: um, foil hat on too tight um, thoughts. <laughs> so. DeAndre Jordan, for the first time in his career, signed an agent, or the first time in, in, rel- mm-hmm. in recent history, signed an agent yeah. in December named Jeff Schwartz. Do you know mm-hmm. who else Jeff Schwartz represents? I do. He represents um, definitely some trailblazers. A- I'm trying to a- remember. Is it Damien? Nope. It, it is Noah Vonley. 
Oh, that's right. I forgot. That's who it is. I knew it was a blazer. So very different blazer from Dame. Remind me again. Okay. Who's a blazer most likely to be traded in the deadline? Right. So I think okay. that I think there there are some things going on behind the scenes that mm-hmm. Noah Vonley um, has been tagged in recently in rumors um, as somebody the Blazers are shopping quite hard right now. Um, uh-huh if they can basically move him out for a late first or a second or um, basically swap RFAs with another team that might fit, uh, that would need that kind of guy. Let me bring up somebody who hasn't been brought up in this discussion. And like, is Pat Connaughton, anybody that any, I think a lot of teams want him. No, I I think he's, he's he's a guy that that has value. This particular thing. He doesn't make enough money to really be. I don't think Portland wants to let him go. I, I don't right. think Portland can afford to let a shooter go right now. I mean, if he was making a bunch of money and they could get a bunch of money, you know, somebody who was yes, making if, a bunch if, of if money can, who had a high value, a case, but he's not making enough, right? Yeah, if he was a sweetener on a bigger deal, I think Portland could go that way. But if they're, they're moving for DeAndre Jordan, I mean, you're, if, you, yeah. if you're talking about, like, non-shooters, you don't get any non-shooter than DeAndre yeah. <laughs> Jordan. Um, don't get me right. wrong. He's going to lead the NBA in field goal percentage for the, first, for the third straight year, <laughs> and that's going to be a record. Nobody's yeah. ever done that before. Right. Like, within yeah. five but feet, he's a— shooters out. Yeah, but <laughs> you, you can't—you have to put floor spaces around this guy. Like he, so can we pivot to how he would work on the Trailblazers on the actual floor? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, let me go ahead. Let me go ahead and tie up this trade machine talk okay, right, right here. So basically, the way I see this going is that Portland moves a combination of of Harkless or Leonard, and heaven forbid, Evan Turner, um, if they can find somebody to take him with a first round pick. The sweeteners Napier, the big prize here, obviously, is Yusuf Nurkic. Um, that brings DeAndre, and then a side deal moves Noah Vonley and maybe an end of bench guy like Jake Lehman to free up the right amount of money to get that three million or so to get under that mm-hmm. line to make mm-hmm. the moves, the, the DeAndre move necessary. And at that same point, bring in a restricted free agent uh, on a lower tier deal or a guy that has one more year left to kind of prolong the process. So you have mm-hmm. those, the staggering of deals that Portland right. would like to have as opposed to everybody coming up at the same time. Cause we've, we've gone through this process before where everybody comes up at the same time. You see the Celtics right, right now exactly. shopping Marcus <laughs> smart because they know they're not going to be able to afford him when it, when his free agency hits because they have mm-hmm. so many guys that they drafted in the same period. Mm-hmm. Now it's okay. Deandre fitting. That's the fun one. Like for, for you though, are you, are you, in you know on the DeAndre like train? It. You're on the Deandre train. You're riding that one. Okay, Dan, if you have, if you don't know why I want DeAndre Jordan, then you exactly have not why. listened to a word I've I'm said teeing, for the last six months, and I'm hanging up on you. I'm why do you I here. want DeAndre Jordan on this team, Dan? A lot rides on you answering this correctly. A all the, lot. All the dunks and all the alley-oops. Oh, good. You just saved yourself. I, I, I <laughs> you knew got it. got that one wrong, you were in so much I trouble. It. Trust me, and I, I've seen people that have wanted to, to counter, um, listen, I don't think DeAndre Jordan is the answer, but from my own selfish personal view, the adding DeAndre Jordan while moving out a bad contract and not sacrificing a ton and getting a talent like DeAndre in return isn't a bad thing, first of all. Second of all, you're not giving up CJ to do it. So everybody who's talking mm-hmm. about moving CJ for DeAndre Jordan, please and kindly shut up. 
<laughs> it's, it's, Don't say that, Dan. That it's, sounds mean. It's it's awful. Like people who want to equate those two, like we're gonna have to give up CJ to get him. No, you're not. Just, yeah, calm down. That's not okay, a thing. You have shown us a different path, but let's not just pile on everybody. Who, I'm going to pile you know, on those people. Ideas. You're crazy. Um, well, I'm going to defend them. <laughs> I'm going to jump in front of your giant piling on and no. be like, just chill, chill. Um, but as okay. far as as far as from again my own selfish point of view, this is this is all me. Give me entertainment. I. Watching DeAndre dunk the ball endlessly would be great. Hell, watching Damian Lillard yell at DeAndre Jordan at the end of a game as he holds the ball as the clock expires, as awful and frustrating as that would have been to be on the other side of that, entertainment Damian value Lillard is very high. would not do that to DeAndre Jordan. Scream, that scream is and yell at him, jump like up and down and shoot. Right. So that's why I think that this would be a good deal for DeAndre and also why I think that he would uh, lean towards staying should this happen, because I think he'll be treated really well and he'll really like, you know, one of the things that the Blazers are known for is immediately treating new teammates like they've been there the whole time. And I think DeAndre will, uh, you know, find people who aren't going to yell and scream at him and jumping down on his back. They're going to encourage him and they're going to expect a lot from him, but they're not going to treat him like he's been. And we know DeAndre has a history of being really close with his teammates. You know, like there was the whole thing about him almost going to Dallas and then the team coming and, you know, staying with him so that he wouldn't change his mind again. But no, he seems like a guy for whom the people around him are super, super important. And I think. And remember, he's Damien's mom. <laughs> what? He's, remember, he's Damien's mom oh, yeah. in, in all <laughs> the, the commercials. <laughs> the ba- commercials baby Dame. So they already know each other. But anyway, I think this would be a good fit for DeAndre, somebody who I worry might have a harder time adjusting in other places in different situations. Um, That's all I'm saying. Yeah, no, I, honestly, that was again the that was kind of going to my next point is I think DeAndre in the long term could fit in really well here because if you were going to build a guy in a lab to play behind Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum defensively, he would look like DeAndre Jordan, seven foot tall, freakishly long arms, the ability to, to switch all across the board, come out to the three point line, and be a ferocious and intimidating shot blocker. Like DeAndre Jordan is a lot like Rudy Gobert or Anthony Davis in the sense that. <laughs> He's an intimidating presence in the paint that makes you hesitate and pause before going up with your shot. You don't go up as strong Mm -hmm. because you don't want to see your shot sent into the 13th row. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and he just has those three inches of diameter all the way around on both of those two guys you just mentioned too. Yeah. (laughs) And he has, he has hands and palms like the size of pumpkins. I mean, the Mm -hmm. the guy is, is like measurables. The only guy that I think in the NBA that compares is Giannis. Like, as far as, like, ticking off, like, the freaky measurements, DeAndre's right up there with him. Um, he doesn't need the ball, which is fantastic if you're thinking about the way Portland plays right now. Um, mm-hmm. Defensively, he fits right in. Your scheme just become your scheme's the same, except it, it can be more aggressive, which is, I think, something uh, Terry Stotts has toyed with in the past. It just hasn't really worked because he hasn't had the personnel to do it. The only one close was, uh, was uh, LaMarcus, and he was... It's kind of funny. Uh, people wanted to bag on LaMarcus for a long time because they, they this, that, and the other. One, he was one of the best and continues to be one of the best for a guy his size and coming out, switching, and defending on the perimeter. DeAndre Jordan is like the apex of that. So 
adding that ability so he to does the come is, out on the perimeter yeah i mean we just we saw it we saw it a week ago not even a week ago when mm-hmm. portland played los angeles mm-hmm. cj mccullum played like crap because he had uh deandre jordan on his face the entire time shooting <laughs> over that man on the perimeter is next to impossible mm-hmm. so and mm-hmm. offensively the the gravity is very different from a use of Nurkic. And here's where Nurkic has, because I, I don't want this to, to just sound like I'm crapping on Nurkic, because I really do. I'm a, I'm a big Nurkic supporter. I uh, love his post game. I love what his potential could be. The big difference between the two, obviously, is that you can throw Nurkic the ball in the paint or at the high post and say, go get your own shot. If you do that with DeAndre Jordan, you are not a very smart individual, because that's just, mm-hmm. that's not his game. And I'm not going to fault him for that because he knows who he is. Who he is is Mm -hmm. throw that ball within three feet of the rim. I will go get it and dunk it. Mm -hmm. Or I will catch it bouncing off the rim or off the backboard and dunk it. I think the one thing that people are going to have to get used to is the fact that the the Blazers would become a team that dunks the ball again. And we really Mm -hmm. haven't had that in, you know, since Clyde... Plumley. <laughs> well, I mean, Plumley was a solo I mean, guy. Plumley's backwards dunks. Yes, but I mean, as far as like a, a guy who right. dunks night in, night out, you're looking at like as it being buck, a feature of buck, the offense, duck, as opposed Clyde. to a bug. Yeah, a guy that's just going to consistently just look to pack the ball every. Like you look at Nurkic, and you're like, dunk that. You don't ever have to tell DeAndre Jordan to dunk that. <laughs> I mm-hmm. mean, that that's mm-hmm. that's not that's not a thought that ever crosses your mind. And I think that would be a major shift for what Portland wants to, or what Portland could or should do. So you've uh, definitely painted a very vibrant picture of what could happen. I, you know how I am always superstitious and think now that we've talked about it, it pretty much guarantees it's it just not going to happen. In, it just went up in flames. <laughs> it just went up in flames because we talked about it, but it was a really good thought experiment. And, and that's so much of what, you know, sometimes to me, it gets frustrating to listen to all of the trade talk because I just think, come on, can't we just concentrate on what's in front of us and what's on the team, who's on the team right now, and then just see what happens, you know, leave it to the front office to see what's going to happen. But to also, on the other hand, trade talk, I think, is really good for thought experiment because it helps mm-hmm. you and it, it makes forces me to investigate how the other team mates and how the other players on the team play. And it, it makes value. me think about some things that I wouldn't have thought thought about. So okay. I, how did like a player on an opposing team may be not as valuable to us as, as Portland people, but to their team, it could be worth an arm and a leg. And it kind of gives you this understanding of like, I've seen some Clippers people. Like I, I asked a couple Clippers people, like what would be fair value in return for Deandre to them? He means everything right now with Blake gone and Chris Paul gone. So they were like, right. uh, value wise CJ Collins and a first. And I'm just, mm-hmm. I'm like, Oh, Oh, okay. Like, no, no, fam. That's, that's not a thing. You're not getting two first round picks and CJ freaking McCollum for 29 year old Deandre Jordan with one year left on his contract. But it, like you said, it's a thought experiment in how these guys go about valuing their own guys. And I think that it, while not always an, an accurate representation of what a front office is thinking, the fan base, like you can't trade a guy with a lot of fan base cachet, unless the return is commensurate. Um, Golden State, like, had Monte, the Monte trade not worked out as favorably as it did, let's say Steph's ankles continue to be rickety. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, take all the other stuff away. What? How would that fan base have reacted to, to that team? Mm-hmm. Because Monte was beloved. Mm-hmm. 
So I, I think that's well, something that Portland has to consider with the way that they look at Nurkic and the way uh, Los Angeles is looking at DeAndre Jordan. Well, and I think it's almost like the plan that you laid out, it's almost like it makes too much sense. Too much sense, Because, yeah. well, you know, what What we always, I mean, we're always invariably after a trade sitting there going, oh my God, so-and-so got shellacked, you know, because it's like, it always feels like one team, it always feels like it's really lopsided. And then what invariably happens is then, you know, it sort of ends up evening out, like, you know, with Paul George versus Oladipo and Sabonis, you know, each team is going to go for something that they need for, you know, for their own thing. And they're not going to be the same. So it's almost like what we've just talked about and what laid out what's laid out makes too much sense and so you know <laughs> what we're actually going to happen you know who, who's actually coming to portland you know who actually knows like last night i can't remember who it was that i said to my husband was actually going to be the clipper that came to portland but it was <laughs> definitely somebody that i hadn't heard of and it was like, yeah, it's like all this talk about this and we're actually going to get, you know, so-and-so. <laughs> but anyway, it'll be interesting to find out. Um, there was actually a good, uh, the Woj podcast that came out recently had, um, let's see, it's Bobby Marks is the ESPN front office insider, right? I always get Sean Marks and Bobby Marks mixed yes, up. Yes, the, the, the Marks brothers. Right. <laughs> so, but uh, it they had um, uh, Bobby, I think. Um, talking about the trade deadline and how things are changing this year because it is work, it is moved up so much and does not take place over um, uh, the all-star break. And I think that's going to be like, we're in for either a completely, like we're either going to be in the thing where we're like on our, the edge of our seat and never quite get satisfied for the next five days. Or I think it's going to be, be last minute. I, so I, wild. I think, and I've given Olshay plenty of criticism for a lot of things. Um, his deadline deals and his uh, the the middling acquisitions have all been, I think, done very well. Um, mm-hmm. The free agency stuff, obviously, I'm not a fan. Um, mm-hmm. But th- I think this is a genuine opportunity of what I've been screaming for for what feels like a couple years, and that's swinging right. for the fences, making a legit home run play. Getting DeAndre right. Jordan, for those that don't don't believe so, is a home run play. That is a big-time move. This is a multi-time all-star who would be able to be a plug-and-play kind of guy. And if there is mutual interest between the two, could help elevate Portland, and, and not into championship contending tier, but I think into that next tier where they're like, eh, they're not quite a uh, top three or four, but on the right day and on the right matchup, those games we talked about to open the podcast with should win games become much easier should win games. Does that make sense? Oh yeah. I mean, I would like to just be, I would just like, I mean, you know me, I'm not going to complain about how things are right now because I take one game at a time and you know, I will, they'll be down by 16 points and you've sat across from me while I'm saying <laughs> they've got plenty of time. Just get it to 15, just get it to 10. And I'm sitting so there you, tapping you, my watch, say wrap it up. <laughs> You know that. However, I certainly wouldn't be sad if they became a team that was like regularly 50 games. And I know that for people like you who enjoy excellence so much, that's not enough. But for me, I would be okay with that. I have one it's more question. It's a step forward about, in, my, in my opinion, though. 50 games is sure. better than the, the 41, you know, that they've been fooling around with for now what's going to be three years. Yeah. 
yeah, 50 games, I think would, would make a big difference. And that would mean we had a lot of games where we had a lot of fun. Do, uh, does Neil Olshay's connection to, uh, Clippers to the Clippers, do you think that helps this? Yes. Do you think it has anything? It, it matters. Do you think it, does? it matters on three levels. It matters with the Clippers. It matters with DeAndre Jordan. He drafted him and it matters with okay, Jeff I was Schwartz. Wondering if he did. Okay. Yeah, no. And it matters with Jeff Schwartz because he's a guy, he's an agent that he's worked with. He he, okay. he he works with them now with Noel. Someone's got solid relationships on yeah, all of those. Like like I said, my my tinfoil hat was going pretty hard a couple days ago when I started like <laughs> looking at all the different things that are out there. And I'm like, okay, this this because if you look at Neil Olshay's moves over the past couple of years, what have they been? They've been his guys with agents he knows, with teams and GMs he knows. Mm-hmm. Who is he? Who is he more familiar yeah, with in oh, the league? For sure. Yeah, I mean Orlando and and um, Orlando and Cleveland have been his main guys, yep. and now their uh, their people the, are gone. They're under so new management. So, who does he go to? You, he you, has to you, turn. You go to your old stomping grounds in Los Angeles with a player that you drafted with an agent you have a relationship with. Like right, it, and it, they seem amenable right now. Right, I mean, if we like I said, if you're ticking all the boxes for the Neil O'Shea acquisition list, I'm you're 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 hitting Yahtzee right now. mm Hmm. So that's what, oh, what that's what that's what kind of along along with some other things that I, I I've heard um, this is a a big time move um, that looks like mm-hmm. it's going to come together. So Wesley Johnson or Sam Decker were the guys that I was saying that we're going to end up with after all of this. Yeah, but both of those guys are over six seven. So yeah, they're I they're just, both I, awkward and have been underwhelming, um, but. I mean, that's really what Portland collects at the small forward position. <laughs> so, um, again, that wouldn't necessarily surprise me. Um, if you, I mean, if you look at the I just Clippers, feel like all, they, they I have just a feel ton like of those the, guys. Smoke and mirrors, you know, like get us all thinking one direction, and then what they've really been working on is going to be something else entirely. Yeah, but like you said, it's something you you touched on earlier in in the, in the show here is that. Portland does not let things leak unless, number one, they want them to leak. And from what I've heard, none of this stuff that's come out has been from Portland. That's been from the other side. Um, mm-hmm. And that's and people know typically, as far as like dealing with Portland, if you leak too much, the Blazers disappear because they yeah. want they want to control everything. They want to control the narrative. They want to control how the trade is shaped. They want to control the back and forth, and they do that by limiting the, the flow of information. I mean, mm-hmm. whether you like it or not, that's how they conduct business. That that's how Neil Olshay operates. Um, I, I can certainly see the, the 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 pluses and the negatives to it, um, but in, in this case, it, it's it serves as a, a barometer for uh, what appears to be cooking. Mm-hmm. Well, we by the time we speak again next weekend. It will we be the end of the trade deadline. Potentially. We're, we're going to do a trade deadline podcast. I mean, that's going to end up happening. <laughs> we're, we're like the, the, as far as like anniversary and, and special event type podcasts, that's, that's Dave and I in the past have, have done one. Um, the, the two years that, that we'd had before when mm-hmm. I was around. So, um, I would, I would suspect a, uh, emergency pod as soon as that Woj announcement comes. Cause bare minimum, even if it's not Deandre Portland's making a deal. Like it's, right. it's happening. So, um, It'll be we'll the emergency Sam Decker podcast. Yes. Yeah. It's going to be like <laughs> Noah Vonley for Sam Decker. And you're like, what the hell just happened? And everyone's going to think I'm clairvoyant. Yeah. Dan, they'll be like, <laughs> Dan said DeAndre. That's not DeAndre. Yeah. So um, I'm sorry if it doesn't happen, but my, my spidey sense is, is, is leaning heavily, heavily towards DeAndre Jordan. Uh, I don't well, usually let myself get excited about this either. you how it could make sense. 
Because I mean, the big thing is like with with DeAndre making so much money, it's like, wait, how do how do the Blazers make that work it, with it, him coming in? That's the thing with is so it, much money. It has a chance to be win win, even if DeAndre leaves. This is what we talked about with Carmelo Anthony. Like, even if he leaves, Portland's gonna get off of one of their bad contracts. I would mm-hmm. rather him stay. Clearly. But in the end, you're looking at it, and it's not the absolute worst as far as what you would have to do. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to get it. There's going to be DeAndre, and I think in that trade, I think one other wing asset comes back to Portland. I, I don't think it's going to be anything special, but I think there's going to be somebody else there on the younger side, not real mm-hmm. young, but 23 to 25, 26, right in that range. The the timeline, so to speak, along with Damien. And I think that's ultimately <gasps> where they end up. What if they threw in Austin Rivers? <laughs> um, I would become a Sonics fan. <laughs> I just had that. Anyway, okay, I don't want to get us all derailed <laughs> on that. Um, we should probably start wrapping this up here. You got anything else you want to say right now about the trade deadline coming up? Anything else to watch for? No, I think those are the big ones. Um, uh, honestly, I think DeAndre is going to be the biggest move made. I, I don't think the Thunder are going to move Paul George. So, uh, yeah, I, I think no, DeAndre is going to be the biggest guy uh, moved here. So, I think that's well, that's that- kind of what I'm looking at. I, that's what I was going to ask you if anybody else in the Northwest division do you think is likely to make Denver any moves? Denver could make the move, and I think uh, that could be a dark horse third team because they do need a point guard. Um, I think Napier could end up being the guy that ends up in Denver. So we could go ahead and ship uh, Barton Ooh. and Napier to Denver uh, as a thank you gift for taking Mason Plumlee and giving us a first-round well, pick. Wait. Oh, you mean Barton, like, historically we Historically, gave him. yeah. So. Because I would I would be the first person at the airport to pick up Will Barton if he came back here. I would yeah, be no, like I, knocking everybody Will's out the of the way. Kind of guy for Portland right now. Um, I, he, he's I a little like, bit undersized. In the minivan, Will Barton, we're going. <laughs> You're but, here. But yeah, that's uh, ultimately I think. Uh, and if if it does change, like if if a bigger name changes, I uh, changes teams. I think DeAndre's going to be the domino that kickstarts it all. I think if the okay. if the deals happen, the DeAndre deal is going to happen with like ten minutes to go, and then you're going to see a bevy of deals get closed out. I think it's going to be one right. of those kind of deadlines where it's going to be crickets, and then all hell's going to break loose. A big cascading effect. Yeah. Well, in the in the podcast in the Woj podcast that I was talking about, they talked about how things have changed in the days since now. They can like sign things on their iPads as opposed to like when they used to like put somebody in a car parked outside someone's house with the paperwork, yeah, just in case, and, like talk and talk and talk, and then like okay, you got to go out and you know, and they be filing things at you know three minutes till because as uh, as I understand it, three p.m. Eastern you have to have time submitted. Is the it doesn't deadline. need to be done. It needs to be submitted. You have submitted. to submit the paperwork. It has to be turned in by then. Yep, and you can tweak things right. along the line, but it has to be submitted by then. So, but um, and that's noon our time on Thursday. Yep. So, that, so that, this is coming uh, up quickly. Yeah, that's the other cool thing about being uh, Pacific Standard Time, and it's not nine o'clock in the morning games because that sucks. <laughs> But having, that is not cool. having a trick deadline for the noon, record. That is like, not yes. cool. <laughs> no, it's not. Miserable. All right, Dan. Well, before we uh, sign off, um, we have a uh, a Gmail, an email address. So if people want to send us questions as, that are longer than 280 characters, feel free to send those.
those questions to blazersedgepod at gmail.com and we can discuss those on the podcast. We would love to hear some of uh, User submitted questions, questions are great. We will always take them. Um, we may not use them on air, uh, but we will always take them because they drive conversation and lead to really good points um, even if we don't use them on air. So um, if, they, right. if it is good, it is great. Well, it'll make it on air. It's a lot like Dave's mailbag. So, right. Well, we, so we encourage people to uh, write us again, blazers, pod. If you want to follow me on Twitter for all of my brilliant um, blazer thoughts and Dolly Parton tweets yeah. and Lucille ball memes, you can find me at TCB Biggs. and Dan, you want to take us out of here? Yep. You can find me on Twitter at D Meringue, same for Instagram and pretty much everywhere else. You can also find me on non game nights at 7 PM on NBC sports Northwest for blazers outsiders. I'll go ahead and Venmo you my five bucks now. Um, <laughs> well, that one I think is okay. That was it's okay. The dropping that like when I was talking with my NBC producer, I was talking to my yeah. boss. And I, I did. I'm, I'm keeping. I'm keeping it quiet because it's you know. But you did. You get. You, you did pretty good tonight. Okay. See. You know. I, I do what I can. And again, we also take user Friday submitted again. questions there too. So if you guys are submitting questions to me on Twitter, Facebook, Insta, wherever for Blazers Outsiders, do it for this too. Because guess what, folks? I'm here on this platform and I can talk just as much here. In fact, I have. A, you, you can know, talk kind of, more I can, here. Yeah, I have free reign to kind yeah. of, to kind of go wherever I want to go here. Um, well, hold on there a minute, buddy. You do not have totally free reign. I said almost <laughs> free reign. I would just like to get a little bit of credit for reining you in because of you know it's. You are a Dan Wrangler. There's, there's no doubt about that. <laughs> it is not an easy job. God no. And <laughs> it could be, um, it could be worse. Let's just say. Yeah. yeah. For all those out there that are like, oh my God, does this guy ever shut up? When I do shut up, say thank you, Tara, in your head. <laughs> thank you, Dan. That's the nicest thing you've ever said to me. See, you say that like every other week now. So I say a lot of nice things. You just don't give me the I mean, Because you get incrementally nicer. <laughs> All right, and just because I want to say it again, Blazers Edge Night sold out, so thanks again to everybody who did that. Almost 2,300 people. Uh, I believe uh, Dave put out a post the other day saying they still have a few extra tickets, so uh, if you run a youth organization, church group, outreach, mission, whatever, uh, and you want to see if you can take some kids to a game, reach out to Dave on Twitter, reach out to uh, Blazers Edge, um, and... uh, you know, talk to them because uh, I, I believe they still have a few extra tickets, um, which is absolutely awesome. Uh, for Tara, I'm Dan. Uh, go ahead and catch us next week. Or excuse me, we'll probably have the emergency pod for the trade deadline. Until then, we'll uh, we'll catch you on later. <laughs>